0: Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to the strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. Today, we will talk about drug packaging advances. I'm Felicity Thomas, European Editor for Pharmaceutical Technology, Pharmaceutical Technology Europe and Biopharm International, and I'll be hosting this installment of the Drug Solutions Podcast. This episode is sponsored by LabVantage Solutions, a leader in intelligent laboratory informatics serving top 20 pharma. In this episode, I spoke to a couple of industry experts on drug packaging, as well as about some of the packaging trends that have had an impact on the sector and those that we should expect in the future. First up, I sat down with Aurelio Arias, who is part of the EMEA Thought Leadership Group at IQVIA, a group that looks at hot topics within the pharmaceutical industry. The perspectives gained from the group's analyses are used to provide industry insights for events such as PharmaPAC a drug delivery and packaging event hosted at the Paris Expo. This year, the event is reported to have returned to pre-COVID form with more than 300 exhibitors, over 5,500 in-person attendees and close to 5,000 online attendees from nearly 70 countries. A great signal that the industry is getting back to some form of normality. Providing detail on his experiences at PharmaPAC and the snapshot of the packaging industry's biggest trends, Here is Aurelio to tell us more. Pharmaceutical packaging is expected to experience healthy growth in the next decade, according to market research. Could you provide some perspectives as to why the sector might experience such growth?
2: Yes, of course. There are many factors that look like they're going to be pushing packaging into the forefront of a really critical, important part of the supply chain. Part of this is that we've seen biologics become increasingly important over the past decade or so. Biologics are growing about four times faster than small molecules. And in future, the pipeline shows that the next generation technology therapeutics coming through the pipe look like they're going to be full of biologics too, such as RNA therapeutics uh, and next generation monoclonal antibodies. There are other Uh, components to why we think that packaging is going to be important and the growth will continue. And that's that the top um, therapeutic areas for packaging, such as immunology, diabetes, respiratory, and indeed oncology, they're getting very saturated. The level of competition has become so fierce within these markets that companies are looking for any solution in order to try and differentiate themselves from their competition. And a critical component from that is of course packaging, a place where a company can then start changing the look and feel of their brand. They can indeed start marketing or positioning uh, due to packaging to different uh, stakeholders. Indeed, patients can then take a look and use the package Uh, as a way to supplement their care through uh, better instructions or be it more functional packaging and of course with the growth of different uh, companies and the rise of biosimilars we'll probably see a much more fragmented number of competitors in the market meaning that they will also all start wanting packaging that will suit their specific needs and so I feel like Packaging as a whole is going to go from the mass market down through to something that's a lot more individual, more bespoke, maybe for batch processes. And then further to this, I feel like there are also um, much, much larger, wider considerations to take into account. The globe is moving towards more uh, environmentally uh, conscious uh, aspect within the industry and so these greener policies that are coming through like the, the like the european green deal uh, all sort of based on the paris agreement the us coming through as well means that packaging as well will be again on the forefront to provide a solution that removes uh, carbon emissions from the supply chain and then lastly i just want to say that uh, during the pandemic we've seen greater demand from patients in terms of actually getting medicines administered closer to where they are so have medicines as part of their um as part of their life as part of their life uh, to fit in with their lifestyle and that means having these drugs delivered at home or indeed maybe to the um general practices or to the pharmacies or any clinics that's actually close to them and the packaging is going to be instrumental in actually making sure those medicines can reach them uh, at the required temperature uh, at the required cost with the features that would be easy for a patient or for a nurse or practitioner to actually be able to handle so the the drivers are manifold, and they all sort of uh, are pushing packaging right into that forefront as i described
1: as you said there that the drivers are manifold I'd just like to delve into some of those aspects that you spoke about in in that response and um, firstly you spoke about user friendliness and, and patient centricity mm-hmm. so how has packaging become more patient centric in your opinion and do you believe that patient centricity is a growth trend which you obviously you did say but You know, could you maybe elaborate on how that's going to be a growth trend for the industry?
2: So, patient centricity is an area that has been quite a tough nut to crack uh, throughout the industry over the past five, seven years. We've been talking about how to make packaging, I I guess, how to make the whole industry more patient centric. But at the end of the day, the patient ends up interacting with the packaging, uh, whether it's a biologic whether it's uh, tablets, pills, or indeed um, anything to do with that medicine that they would take themselves. And so I see patient centricity as a way where packaging actually goes and starts creating a better experience for the patient. And on that point, I believe that for the pharma industry is taking a few cues from the retail sector, where indeed they're very they're, they're very sort of customer centric. And so for example, we're starting to see packages or packaging that is easier to open. It's more instructional in terms of actually being quite clear uh, instructing the patient on how to take the medicine. It becomes part of the brand. So it's able to integrate with um, the look and feel of the rest of the maybe patient support program um, or a website or um, indeed any sort of instructional materials that comes from the pharma company itself, it gives the the patient a sense of comfort. Uh, That's one way in which I feel it does so. But the greater aim of this is to be able to ensure that the patient actually adheres or becomes more compliant with their medicine just because it is easier for them to actually take their, their medicine. It could be that the package is smaller and it's not such a large box and therefore the patient is able to go take this, uh, the, the medicines with them um, and more flexible when they go about their day-to-day activities. Now that is really where the the promise of this sort of patient centricity lies. But there is another area I feel that is less direct, so some sort of indirect patient-centricity. And that is where uh, packaging is able to accommodate a wider range of drugs, giving patients and the prescribers more flexibility on what can be uh, prescribed. So, for example, um, having smaller packs, having uh, maybe packaging that is able to – at uh, At a defined cost price is able to actually take biologics through to emerging markets or hotter countries where you might not have active refrigeration and that package is able to actually go out and you know have a temperature controlled and monitor the temperature of a biologic driving it into areas like sub-saharan africa or parts of latin america where they would actually give Uh, access to a certain medicine that the patient would not necessarily have had before and if that is done at at a cost level that is acceptable to the health system that is also I feel a very indirect but very important form of patient centricity in that it allows for greater access and more flexibility.
1: You spoke about having smaller packaging as well, just to to go back on some of that. What about, do you think maybe um, would there ever be any possibility for people to have medicines packaged for common comorbidity issues? Could that be something as well that would be convenient for for certain patients, particularly maybe geriatric patients?
2: Yes, and I think this is all part of uh, why the strategies that we're also seeing as well, trying to minimise the complexity of administration. Um, so comorbidities definitely is one of them, uh, regimens as well from oncology It's another area that packaging uh, could potentially help. I think when it comes to the likes of, of reducing the complexity, it all sort of still falls under that umbrella of making it easier for the patient to take the medicine when it suits them. And I think that's, that's the key for it. Now the challenges that I've seen so far within the packaging industry is that it's very, the, the, the combinations or the um, regimens that patients necessarily have to take are very regulated, they're driven by guidance that are continuously changing, so having to uh, second guess what areas might be best to actually go out and start combining different medicines Uh, or having packaging that is complementary is always a risky business, but it does work in certain areas quite well. And what I've seen is packaging becoming maybe more modular, becoming uh, easier to actually go out and separate your medicines. And like you said, with geriatric, also having features that are larger, more colourful, and just much easier to understand. So It's now when you take a look at the sort of innovative medicines that are coming through the pipe, those that are also trying to differentiate themselves that are maybe uh, well-funded from large pharma, we actually start to see a move away from the sort of small print and the small text and the fiddly packaging to something that's just a lot more easy and just a a richer and better experience for the patient, especially if there's an element of self-administration involved.
1: You spoke a little bit in your, your first response about sustainability issues. And obviously, that's um, an issue that seems to be more prominent, perhaps, within Europe compared with other regions. So on that line, are there certain trends that are region specific, do you think?
2: Yes, certainly. I believe that uh, having a view that is very much fit for purpose for The region or indeed country that you're actually marketing or creating your packaging for is is crucial in today's um, today's economy especially coming out post-pandemic where we're starting to uh, see a lot of movement towards nationalization of a lot of uh, trends within the market be it bringing manufacturing back closer to uh, the point where it's being sold so manufacturing within europe or reshoring manufacturing back into the us for example is driving uh, counter to the globalization that we've seen over the past two decades or so from the pharmaceutical market. Now, you mentioned sustainability. That's one trend that over the past few years uh, we've been monitoring has been a very fast growing trend, especially in certain sectors like the energy sector. Now, the pharmaceutical sector is beginning to start seeing it. And a lot of pressure from, um, from shareholders, a lot of pressure from policymakers is driving change, particularly in uh, European markets, Western European markets being very important for this and followed by the US and then followed by the likes of um, uh, Eastern countries, such as uh, China and India. Now, the important factors from uh, the sustainability but also from a lot of the reshoring practices is that the payer perception of what is important to actually reimburse is stronger with the likes of uh, countries within Northwestern Europe, the likes of the Nordics, uh, the UK, Germany, France, where they include criteria on actually reimbursing packaging that has greener credentials or indeed ones that offers um, greater uh, resilience from a supply chain perspective, for example, by having multi-source Uh, components to it and by that I mean that the manufacturer happens in different areas that is not necessarily locked to one geographical region and so the knock-on effects from that in the likes of, um, of parts of the European Union is that we have the market there to actually go out and reimburse for some of these features that might come in at a premium. The US as well follows uh, on that. But the, the price sensitive nations that we've seen before, the emerging countries uh, such as India, China, Brazil, they all have a level of price commitment that still remains relatively low. And so we're not necessarily seeing these additional features filtering in from a purchasing perspective. Yet, I think what's interesting to understand is that in China, they're starting to, over the past uh, couple of years, two, three years, they've really started to try and revamp the pharmaceutical industry from the point of actually introducing a larger number of medicines from uh, branded innovative medicines into the market. And so that necessitates a difference from uh, packaging that is actually able to differentiate the product itself And so that's where we're going to start seeing growth, again, from a packaging perspective. And the second area that they've made great strides uh, towards is actually going out and condensing a lot of their purchasing power for volume-based purchasing uh, for a set of uh, generic molecules. And so that means that we're now going to have a consolidation of the market created by large um, uh, generic companies that are able to win... A large part of the Chinese market, and so you're going to get a lot of purchasing for generic packaging, generic style packaging, from uh, from one, two, or three separate large generic companies. So there is going to be a split market in China that is developing. One is consolidation of these packaging for the generic market, and one that is actually on the innovative side, maybe one that offers more differentiation in different. Um, for for the different launches that are that are due to come through
1: moving back a bit to to some of the other topics that you've spoken about uh, you went into biologics um, quite a bit obviously we're seeing quite mm-hmm. a significant rise in biologics and advanced therapeutics i'd like to pick your brain a little bit about those um, you have provided some insights into how they're changing packaging such as the temperature controlled aspects and things like that. Could you maybe elaborate a little bit further on how these new and advanced and complex drugs are impacting drug packaging?
2: Yes, of course. So I think there's two main components that we should be aware of is that a lot of this innovation, especially with advanced therapeutics, the next generation biologics, they're all coming from what we term the emerging biopharma segment. Those are the likes of bio- biotech companies that are predominantly single asset or very small as- uh, number of assets in their portfolio. They are R&D intensive. They are trying to get support going through clinical trials and manufacturing their medicine. Packaging for them means batches of, say, um, of solutions, maybe vial like, like vials, for example, that are prefabricated to make sure that they're sterile and that you can buy them in the numbers of hundreds uh, or thousands not in the numbers of millions so low minimum order quantity uh, high number of features that are bespoke for them they we have found range um, very much from highly capitalized and so able to pay for extra features especially when it looks like their asset is going to be something that will disrupt the market, maybe first in class, or best in class for a specific indication, and where the packaging would actually have a real uh, improvement potentially on their go to market. So when they're starting to think about actually what markets can they access, uh, what specific requirements for these markets are needed, and then again, uh, what what is the level of tolerance from each one of their stakeholders? Whether they can, whether they have something that is um, uh, that, that is administered at home, and therefore you need something that is going to be able to compete against the incumbents. And that's all. That thinking is starting to come through right at the very beginning of the clinical trial process. And so that's one of the areas where we see that the market is becoming very fragmented and so the importance of actually having these bespoke solutions or batch solutions is going to be important and we see a lot of packaging manufacturers already starting to go down that line and it's a challenge that's going to be hard to crack because it sort of goes against the ideas of economies of scale it's not now about just manufacturing you know millions of uh, small vials or plastic blisters for large pharma, this is all starting to get broken down and more features are required. The other area that I feel where biologics and advanced therapeutics is actually going to uh, create a greater challenge is on the cold chain. And you know, you briefly mentioned there about regulating temperature and that is going to be a feature that we've seen um, continue through from the lights of the COVID, 19 mRNA ultra low cold temperature vaccination uh, schedule that we had distributed throughout throughout the world. And that level of um, demand that we saw uh, over the past two years or so actually created a lot of innovation within packaging and within the transportation and logistics of biologics. Now, hopefully we can then keep a lot of that existing infrastructure Uh, for other biologics that are non-vaccine related. So rather than actually distributing them to GPs and to vaccination centers, actually go into hospitals with different levels of um, different sizes of vials or different sizes uh, of of bottles or bags or infusion bags, for example. Now, the importance of the cold chain is going to be um, one for that packaging has to really keep an eye out on for the likes of the emerging economies where you actually have um, you have some challenges of developing a cold chain that is an act that uses active refrigeration, and by that I mean refrigerated trucks that are delivering a lot of the medicines from point to point. You start to rely a lot more because of the lack of that infrastructure on actual passive refrigeration which comes from packaging including the monitoring of temperature now a lot of that at the moment is single use so there's activities that need to be done to actually be able to recycle or reuse a lot of this packaging that is currently single use that is passive and important for the cold chain that's one second is that there needs to be a lot more flexibility in the size and types of uh, this packaging to accommodate a wider range of biologics. That's uh, that's the second point. And thirdly, and I think one that we should bear in mind uh, is that there is a slight conflict of interest here because the cold chain necessarily has to be more um, carbon emitting than simply delivering uh, tablets or capsules in, in boxes mm-hmm. just because of the level of uh, controlled refrigeration, the monitoring, the direct time sensitive logistical distribution, and of course the packaging, especially if it's single use, that has to be uh, fit for purpose. And this creates a lot of waste. So we need to be careful that with what we see is the expansion of this cold chain into different markets for uh, advanced therapeutics and for rise for biologics, that we also bear in mind that there is an impact to the carbon neutrality targets that we have set ourselves as an industry. And so we have to make sure that the packaging that we create is reusable, recyclable where possible. And of course, where we do have the likes of um, uh, necessitating refrigeration, it comes from the likes of renewable sources, et cetera, et cetera. So that is just something that we have to bear in mind that there are conflicting uh, levels of interest, but they are manageable. We just need to make sure that as an industry as a whole we um, we implement these design choices right from the very beginning
1: you mentioned about the COVID-19 pandemic and I do apologize for my slightly dubious link here but during the pandemic we obviously couldn't have face-to-face events and I'm glad to say that we seemingly are coming out of that now and in May um, quite a few people within Europe and some from all over the world managed to enjoy Pharma pack 2022 which was in Paris in France. How was the event for you and what packaging innovations at the show this year were really impressive in your opinion?
2: I really enjoyed uh, pack, uh this year in Paris. It was great seeing uh, everyone again, a lot of um, old faces and a lot of new ones. The the amazing thing about PharmaPack is that it feels like, a, like it really feels like a community. So everyone there, and you know, this is, I think, part of the parcel sort of having uh, such a, a wide range of um, characters, I guess, in, in the packaging industry, is that it becomes quite a close knit community where everyone is very friendly. And this is what I find uh, from PharmaPack, from other conferences, from other industries that I visit, is that it's all quite a supportive industry. Everyone there is ready to partner up and you know become strategic partners with each other. They will face the same sort of challenges. Um, it was great seeing people face-to-face. Uh, that, that, was, that was the first point. And on your second question around what innovations at the show was really impressive. Now, I've started seeing more and more... Um, there's a couple of things. I've started seeing more and more the sort of solutions for batch uh, processes. And this is, I think, where I found uh, a lot of interesting new areas that were coming through, such as, like I said, you know, sort of those, these prefabricated sterile vials and um, uh, platform technologies for delivery devices I found really interesting as well. So we are going into an era where the platforms are much uh, more valuable now, whether more modular, because they're able to be reused, you're able to actually have sort of much more bespoke um, uh, customization, despite having a wide range of uh, customers that you need to uh, satisfy. And then the other area that I thought was quite important was that, and I've noticed this now for a couple of years, but especially this year, is that the, the wide range of sustainability uh, or environmental sustainability features was really upfront in a lot of the communication and a lot of the marketing material. So there, is some, there seems to be a full commitment uh, from a lot of the large packaging players in actually having fully sustainable um, materials, solutions, and indeed having all the right uh, criteria and all the right qualifications and awards that go alongside that in order to provide this sort of peace of mind and uh, trust for a pharma company who actually wants to decrease their carbon emissions. And so that for me was the first time I've started to see that is that it's actually becoming front and center. And we have started to see the grow recent, growth growth in this area recently, but it's for the first time really where I started to see real, real full commitment from a lot of companies. And having spoken to many of them, Um, I know that the plan is to sort of keep on increasing that.
1: We are also rapidly approaching the next CPHI Worldwide event, which is set to happen in Frankfurt, Germany this November. Do you have any tips on potential trends that we should be looking out for at this year's show?
2: Yes, I'm really looking forward to uh, CPHI Worldwide. I think what we'll potentially start seeing is a continuation of some of the trends that we've seen uh, post-pandemic such as the likes of increasing the number of uh, batch processes for emerging biotech. Over the last couple of years, really, this has sort of exploded. And the number of, um, number of assets that are taken through clinical trials from biotech has really started to increase. And they are starting to uh, require more and more of these bespoke platform options. And it's not just for the packaging itself. For example, it's for drug delivery devices that they require these uh, more customized or bespoke um, technologies. So that's one area. A second area again is on environmental sustainability that we've mentioned a couple of times already and that's where I uh, believe that we're going to have um, more and more options front and center and actually I think what we should be bearing in mind is taking a look at the areas in which they're starting to innovate and differentiate themselves from offerings that are uh, that have greener credentials so for example and um, we're now starting to see more and more packaging companies actually coming in and saying front and center yes we are uh, greener here are the credentials that we have here are the awards here are the certifications but The areas in which they actually go out and implement those to reduce the carbon emissions or the greenhouse gas emissions from their packaging actually differs company by company. So it's going to be interesting to see where the standard becomes or where the standard starts to settle, because that's going to really depend on uh, the customers and what the customers are willing to bear uh, from a cost versus actually decarbonizing their supply chain. Now, another area I think that's going to be interesting to take a look at is uh, the actual outsourcing that's going to be happening. So the outsourcing strategies potentially becoming much earlier than before for a lot of these companies. So whereas previously um, we had the packaging considerations were twofold, one which was, how do we go about getting a, 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 some primary packaging that is going to be able to get our product in a vial, get them through clinical trials. Um, and then once the trial periods were over or were, we were in, in phase three, uh, companies would start thinking about, now, how do we go about getting some packaging that is going to be mass produced, that is going to be uh, able to target all the markets that we need um, at, a, at a price point that is acceptable. That is now starting to shift much earlier in the trial process. So before there was a separation between clinical trials and go-to-market. Now uh, things are really, the decisions are being made uh, much earlier in the trial process or indeed sometimes pre-clinical. And a lot of that is because of the delays that have been set up uh, predominantly through the pandemic, the supply chain crunch now compounded with the access to raw materials and the competition for a lot of raw materials especially in the plastics and glass um, area where there is a bit of a backlog and so now that decision has to be made much earlier especially if you're a small biotech that needs uh, that you don't have a lot of buying power because you don't necessarily have that large minimum order quantity you're going to have to start really thinking about creating that contract much earlier than before so that's a that's a Trend that's been, um, that's really has been accelerated by the pandemic. And then something I think that's quite new that's going to be happening is what we're starting to see worldwide currently is this macroeconomic um, rapid inflation that's happening in major markets, not least within Western Europe and the US, but uh, across the globe. Inflation has started to really take hold from, uh, firstly, from a from a consumer perspective but is starting to filter into areas like pharmaceuticals that generally are relatively um resistant to downturns purely because of the importance of medicines but from a packaging perspective raw materials has been uh, on the on has been increased so the the price for raw materials has gone up should i say that means that from a point of view from a packaging manufacturer, they're able to absorb a certain amount of that increase of the raw materials, but at some point they're going to have to start passing that on to the customer. Now the customer being a pharmaceutical um, uh, player, now could either be a uh, innovative R&D led manufacturer or they could be a generic manufacturer. And if they're R&D innovative led, then they have the ability to pay for uh, slightly higher packaging um, expenses, especially because they're looking at launching into areas where they really need to differentiate their brand, their product. They're not really looking at um, mass market launches these days. They tend to be specialists, and so volumes tend to be relatively low. Now they're going to be insulated from the rising costs of raw materials. But where where we're going to have a large effect from this is predominantly in the generics market or the category for generics customers who we still need to have a large footprint globally and large volume at lower price points. And I say lower price points because we are in a heavily regulated industry where prices for drugs are uh, not necessarily flexible because they're not set by the manufacturer, they're set by purchasers. And so they're not going to be able to accept uh, higher price points beyond a certain level. When that starts happening is what I fear is going to happen is that we're going to start seeing uh, generics players actually start to pull out molecules from certain markets purely because they're not profitable anymore. That would lead to shortages. And of course, no one wants to see shortages but unfortunately that might start happening with the rise if you know with the rise of the raw materials and if we don't start seeing a shift in direction from packaging companies in order to offer something that is uh, potentially out there more attractive for cost conscious companies such as smaller designs simpler using less materials uh, for example and so those are potentially some of the trends that i think will start to rise up Uh, for CPHI worldwide in November.
1: Thanks very much to Aurelia for shedding some light on some fascinating insights into drug packaging advances and trends to watch out for. My next guest is Josh Brooks, the Marketing and Community Director for Connecting Pharma, an event that we'll be launching this year in September in Geneva, Switzerland, which will feature packaging innovations alongside drug delivery and contract manufacturing advances. Josh is also the marketing and community director for a series of four other events that are related to the packaging supply chain. Josh also works at EasyFairs, which is an events organiser. Prior to working in events, Josh was an editor and publisher of magazines about the packaging industry. Let's jump into the discussion about drug packaging advances with Josh. So, what, in your opinion, have been the biggest trends to impact drug packaging over recent years?
3: Um, I think there are three or four really big, really big trends that are that are impacting um, innovation and supply chains around drug packaging at the moment. The really big one to talk about is sustainability, and and sustainability challenges come in many forms, and the solutions come in many forms. But but sustainability. Um, is really at the top of the agenda in pretty much every discussion I have with with anybody involved in in the packaging world at the moment, um, whether it's in pharmaceuticals or or in any other market that that I work in. Uh, so, so there's a lot to say about sustainability, and perhaps we can perhaps we'll we'll come back to that afterwards. Um, the second one to to pick up on is there is. Obviously, we're still in the middle of, of the digital transformation, and there's a huge amount of work um, around what uh, what the what the crossover is between the digital world, even the metaverse, and the and and certainly electronics um, going into packaging and the packaging itself. So, so there is a lot there that in in the world of pharmaceuticals would relate to. Uh, to patient compliance um, and even anti-counterfeiting, these sorts of things. But but there is there is an awful lot of work going up, going on uh, in in that in that domain. Um, I think there is there there is also uh, there's there's a very big challenge which is particular to um, to the world now, which is in relation to the to the supply chain. Challenges that that are out there in the market, the availability of raw materials, the availability even of of staff of people to do things, and and very very long lead times on on certain materials. So there's a lot of work, and it's it's less of an innovation issue and more of a supply chain and procurement issue um, relating to packaging. But but there but there's a big challenge there in relation to planning the production and availability of packaging um, as a result of the as a result of these supply chain issues which which are all to do with the current uh, geopolitical situation the war in ukraine the price of oil um and the and the economy sort of restarting after after the covid lockdowns and then finally there there is a there's a fourth issue which is which again is is prevalent across markets, which is to do with um, user experience of packaging, and in some markets that I work in where where it's more of a branding environment than it's to do with creating a sort of a brand experience of a particular product um in the world of in the world of pharmaceuticals, it's a lot to do with uh, functionality usability of um of a piece of packaging to ensure Again, to ensure patient compliance, but also to um, to ensure that that it's that you're creating the, the very best um, experience possible of taking or administering a, a particular a particular drug.
1: You've already spoken about some of the drivers. Just wondering if you could maybe elaborate a little further onto the drivers of the trends that you spoke about.
3: Yeah, by all means. Um, so, sustainability. When when you talk about sustainability and you talk about packaging, um, you're, you're talking about the potential for, as I said, a lot of different directions to go in and a lot of different potential solutions. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is to reduce the impact of your packaging on the world, on the environment. But there's a really big challenge there, which is to do with how you're measuring that impact. So are you measuring... Uh, a reduced carbon footprint or are you measuring a reduced use of a particular material and often at the moment the spotlight is on is on plastics um because of the ocean plastics issue and and so on um, or are you measuring a reduced uh energy usage or water usage and so on so there are many different um avenues that that, that people go down to to improve the sustainability of their packaging uh, to to Give some examples um, there is a lot to do with improving the recyclability of packaging and that can lead for instance to uh, to creating packaging that, that uses fewer different materials so so there's a drive towards what's called monomaterial packaging and this is particularly uh, in the world of in the world of plastics where where you might in the past have had a plastic uh, let's say a blister pack that has a certain number of barrier properties, so it, it keeps light, or gases, or temperature, or air in or out. Um, but that would actually be a laminus of several layers of different types of different types of material that, that all perform different jobs. Um, and then you would have, for instance, the the foil uh, sort of seal on on the top. And now one of one of the moves that that is happening and just as an example of a, of a sort of wider trend, would be to create a blister pack that is that, that still does all of those functional jobs or, and still has all of those barrier properties, but is only made of one type of plastic. So, so there's a monomaterial issue, that, and and that feeds into recyclability. Then, then one of the things that you see in terms of reducing the reducing, for instance, um, the plastics footprint or the carbon footprint, which which are often often leads to two different solutions would be to switch from let's say from a plastic pack to a glass pack or alternatively from a glass pack to a plastic pack um and again that all depends on what you're measuring uh you'll find glass and metal often have a higher carbon footprint whereas plastic and paper have a, well plastic in particular has quite a low carbon footprint but then plastic has a very uh is 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 generally harder to to recycle and ends and very often too often ends up in the oceans so so so, so there are big uh, sort of difficult debates around how to make packaging generally more sustainable than it, than it is um, the other thing to mention would be would be around refillable or reusable packaging and that and that brings in a whole series of other types of considerations around around what's the mechanism to then refill uh, any particular type of packaging? How do you deal with with hygiene and cleanliness issues, and so on, with with a piece of packaging that's being reused? Um, so, so there are some very some very uh, knobbly questions, I would say, around around sustainability, but it's really front of mind for for the industry.
1: So, moving on to um, maybe technology, could you go into a bit of detail on on the role that technology has played in advancing drug packaging, in particular? And do you believe that we're going to see a greater influence of technology and packaging of the future? I mean, I, I can't see that we won't, but you know, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely convinced that that we will, and it's something that we, it's something that that your listeners and your readers will will be seeing already. Um, obviously, some, if if we talk about something relatively. Uh, simple in inverted commas like um, like QR codes. I mean, we we we're all familiar with the with the European Medicines Directive, by which every every uh, every pill or every every individual uh, every individual sort of medication needs to have its own QR code or needs to be sort of. Traceable back to a batch, so so there are all sorts of traceability issues related to this, um, and that and that in itself isn't new. But what I think is new, and what has come back since uh, the COVID, uh, well, since the pandemic hit, is the use of the use of QR codes more broadly as a as a sort of communication tool with um, with with patients or with or with consumers. So, one direction that that can go in, for instance, is is the potential replacement of um, of all of the sort of leaflets and labelling that you would normally have in inside a inside a pharmaceutical pack um, that gets that that becomes digitised and, and it goes onto a it goes on to a website that you would reach through a QR code. But then that could also bring all sorts of other uh, experiences or or instructions or information. To the user about about clearer, perhaps easier instructions about how to administer a particular drug, or how to how to use it, or what the I don't know what side effects might be. All all of those sorts of aspects of information. So that's that's one aspect. And then, in terms of integrating um, things like RFID chips or near field communications and so on into, into packaging, there is there's a very strong uh, Sort of current, in that sense, in in terms of in terms again of traceability through the supply chain. So, so RFID chips and and NFC will very often be used already, and and I believe sort of increasingly in the future to ensure to to, to understand where drugs are going, and and it, it, this is to do with traceability, anti-counterfeiting, and so on. Um, but then also there's there's their integration into. What we would consider the the primary packs, and there we start we we can start thinking about the impact of or, or, or functionality that's built into the packaging that relates to ensuring that a, that a patient has taken the correct medication at the right time, um, in the right quantities, and so on. And and I and I think that that is something that. I'm sure there are examples out there of, of this already where, where the where the pack will be speaking to a smartphone, for instance, and the smartphone will then be speaking to to the sort of to going back to, to the pharmaceutical company or, or out into the wider sort of web um to ensure to ensure that patient compliance. So I think I think that is that's the that's going to be the key um area where where technology has an impact, and then moving forward I, th- I think there, there is also I mentioned data just now obviously there, there is there is then the the possibility to to have better insights into how patients use or or take or or comply with with the medication that they're supposed to be taking um, and the deployment of those insights will probably lead us to better or new avenues of of drug development um, or packaging development in the future.
1: So moving on to uh, a more exciting year that we're going through at the moment, we've all been stuck in our houses for quite a long time and now events, face-to-face events are starting to happen again, which is fabulous news. And this year we'll see the inaugural Connecting Pharma taking place in Switzerland in September. Um, One of the areas that are highlighted by the event schedule is that of packaging. So what kind of educational experiences about drug packaging can our listeners expect and what potential innovations might they be able to learn about when visiting the event?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, Obviously we are I'm I'm an event organiser. I am absolutely delighted to be able to run events again. Uh, the whole the whole events industry has had a difficult couple of years just, just like everyone else. Um but yeah, we're really looking forward to, to running the first edition of, of Connecting Farmer. It's on the fourteenth or fifteenth of September. Um it's in Geneva, it's right next to the airport, so it will be very easy to, to get to from across Europe and, and beyond. Um, in terms of the visitor experience at Connecting Pharma, uh, we education is is a really important part of it. Um, so we'll be running two uh two separate conference theatres. One of them will be more um more sort of issues based, uh so so there'll be there will be discussions there around around sustainability, around uh, new thinking in developing pension, patient-centric uh, packaging solutions. There will be discussion of, the, of a couple of the issues that I talked about earlier around around digitization and around controlling or managing supply chains. Um, and in terms of in terms of the, the broader event, uh, the content program that, that we're putting together is very much in line with the with the four sort of pillars of, of the of the event in terms of product types that, that will be on show. So, so packaging is one of those, um, but what we're really trying to do is, is, to, is to cover the whole supply chain downstream of the, of, of the molecule. Um, so what, what we mean by that is that we cover packaging, we cover um, drug delivery devices, we also cover uh, contract manufacturing, so CMO and CDMO um organizations who will be exhibiting with us. And then uh, there will be an aspect of of production and processing uh, technology and machinery. So so really what we're trying to do is to is to bind together those four key sort of aspects of how do I deliver a, a drug to a patient once the molecule is developed. Um, and the and and so we will have one theatre, as I said, that that's devoted to um to sort of the broader issues there, and then a separate theatre which is which will be devoted to the presentation of specific uh workshops around new um innovations from uh from, from our exhibitors who are who are the leading companies in, in those areas that I've
1: mentioned. Thanks to our guests for taking the time to talk about drug packaging advances. As always, these episodes are part of a larger catalogue of content. So if you are interested in the talking points that were raised, please do take a look at our websites, farmtech.com and biofarminternational.com. To learn more on this topic, check out the July Farm Tech and FarmTech Europe cover story, where four packaging industry sources reveal their experiences surrounding drug
0: packaging advances. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Thank you to our editors and experts for sharing their insight. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology editors. If you want to stay in touch with the Pharmaceutical Technology team, subscribe to this podcast, as well as to our newsletters. When you sign up for our e-newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars, and hear about episodes of Drug Digest, which is a video series. Thank you to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. We will see you next time.